What's up, Patriots, and welcome to Why Are We Like This, the podcast that's all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of the almighty dollar, where we keep the jabs political and never medicinal. Coming to you live from beautiful Port St. Lucie, where the temperature in Celsius is always 45 to 47. Joining us, as always, is my co-host in Miami, a.k.a. the greater Mar-a-Lago metropolitan area, David Quinones. David, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me again. And of course, my other co-host, the newest resident of the Empire State of Mindlessness, Tomas Kennedy. Tomas, what's going on? Just another day trying to survive this dystopian and blue state democratic rat hole. (laughs) Folks, you might have listened to that intro and thought, I know that voice anywhere. That's my child's new Florida area superintendent of schools. Not so. It's your third co-host, Gerald Darty, disguising his voice as part of a Halloween scare at your expense uh, to discuss one of the spookiest developments in Florida state politics. As of last month, the GOP has registered 626,000 more voters than the Florida Dems. For context, when I moved to Florida in January 2016, a.k.a. the before times, Dems enjoyed an advantage of 350,000 voters, which helped them wield power in exactly zero of the state's House, Senate, or governorship. That's a swing of about one million voters in just seven years. How did it happen? In one part, as my beautiful and very talented New York Knicks found out against Boston last week, good teams seize opportunities and bad teams let opportunity slip away. But in another way, when you consider Florida's historic role as a haven for conservative cranks and retirees bragging about leaving their blue state homes and a governor that turns culture war headlines into official state policy, perhaps in the end... The game was rigged from the start. The last opportunity the Democratic Party had in Florida was in 2012, when then-president, now-shadow president Barack Obama defeated Mitt Romney by a whopping 0.86%, but it was the first time since 1948 that the party had won both the state of Florida and the presidency in back-to-back years. Last time was Roosevelt and Truman. The autopsy from the national GOP was clear. They had been outmatched in early voter contact and outclassed by a superior GOTV effort on election day and would need to build a robust ground game if they were going to compete in elections. The autopsy of the Democrats living corpse would become obvious in subsequent elections. Lean on Barack Obama and let his team take care of everything and hope for the best. Why does this matter for today? Because without the robust voter engagement machine that the Florida GOP has built since then, They might not have been able to capitalize on the three factors that have transformed the state from meek and mild purple to deep MAGA red, capturing the energy of white voters without college degrees, making inroads among Latino voters throughout the pandemic, and most importantly for our purposes today, the sauce on the entree, sending the bat signal to every disaffected lifestyle conservative living in a blue state and by the hundreds of thousands call out to them to move down to clown and let their freak flag fly. Tomas, we have discussed the failures of the Florida Democrats many, many times over the years, but I don't know if we've ever broken down the successes of the Florida GOP as we've seen them. From your vantage point, why, what is it that they've been doing differently than the Florida Dems, and what factors do you see that they've benefited from uh, in state politics, we'll say, over the last five years or so? I mean, Gerald, we start, the, 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 the nexus of this podcast was three years ago where we had right. to do a what like a 12-part series 
one hour each just discussing the failure of the Florida Democrats? I mean, right. But I'm yeah. saying, I'm saying, what do you see the Florida GOP doing that has been like? In other words, yeah, like they like the Democrats have done so much wrong. Correct. But like but the, what, the Republicans have done things right. That, why do they know. seem to have their shit together? I think more of the answer, honestly, lies within how pathetically incompetent the Florida Democrats are, is my point. I just do, because it's not like the Republicans are doing things great. Like, they've spent, what, like, all of, like, Rick Scott's tenure, like, the legislature arguing and fighting and vetoing Rick Scott's projects. Do you remember the hell that was, like, the legislature against Rick Scott during like the, that era, David. And it's not, yeah. and, and it's not like they've improved the lives of people or like they made, you know, like we talk about the property insurance implosion, like every other fucking episode. Right. So I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think they're better organized. I think they have more money. I mean that, yeah. you know, to give Florida Democrats a little bit of slack here, like, yeah, they are like, one of the most underfunded state parties in the country and the Republican party of Florida is actually one of the most overfunded, almost right. funded parties in the country. But that just also, it's just a failure of the Florida Democrats to be able to fundraise whether, you know, their fault or not. Um, you know, another thing is just, they, they, they've had year round organizing, you know, like, I don't think there's a single state party. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think there's a single state party, maybe Broward, that has like an office, like a physical office. And that might sound antiquated, but like, it's not like the Republicans in the state of Florida have three Hispanic outreach centers, Hispanic community outreach centers, what they call them. I think one's in Tampa. The other one is in the Orange County area. And the other one is in the Doral area, right? And they use these to like um, do events, press conferences, round tables, financial literacy classes, civics lessons, you know, to stage uh, voter outreach, you know, operations like so. I mean, I, I think the forward, like I, I just don't want to and, and not because of any partisanship or. Sure. No, I, understand. I mean, we talk shit about the Democrats all the time. I just sure. don't think that the Republicans are doing anything particularly well or like are revolutionizing the playbook. I just think that the Democrats are really just this bad at this. In, in Florida, they're just really, really terrible. Which makes can, can that I, can I disagree? Yes. Can I disagree with Tomas a little bit on something? Okay. No, um, I'd say like <laughs> no. I would no. I mean, there's nothing wrong with his analysis. It's, it's it's correct. But I will say that the one thing, and this isn't, and I know we're we're looking at this from like an administrative party get out the vote, you know, ground game perspective or whatever. But like the one thing that Republican, we can get to this. I know you 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 want to talk about this, Jared, but like. The Republicans have given their people something to, like, give a shit about. Like, I remember seeing in Coral Gables, like, we talk about this in the chat all the time, right? Where we're like, if if you are not going to give me anything practical, if you're not going to fix my insurance or my health care or anything, at least hurt the people I don't like that I think are gross. Mm. And, like, the, I'm trying to think of what kind of resources it would take to have two, like, prominent, like, a Speaker of the House and some other prominent Democrat trapped in an office in Coral Gables while a bunch of DSA people are banging on the doors. It would never fucking happen in a million years. <laughs> but it happened here, right? Mm. That was fun, probably, for the generic Republican person to see Nancy Pelosi shitting her pants in 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 and like and in, in, you know trapped in a, in an office 
surrounded by angry conservatives and proud boys and shit. That probably felt good. And I mean, they're giving them that at least they're giving them, you know, a little bit of hit of dopamine. I, I don't disagree with you, David. I guess my point is like in the 2022 midterms, despite how bad the economy was and how much people are paying in rent and inflation and just like the sense of doomerism and just like how much how bummed out people are about this country and everything the democrats inexplicably still overperformed and like stopped the the red wave yeah. whatever except here in florida right. but what i'm saying is like yeah you're you're kind you're like right in florida but like that's not enough in the rest of the country, right? Considering how bad everything is. And in my opinion, that's just because the the Democrats are just so fucking bad at what they are supposed to be doing in the state. I, I, I obviously lean closer to Tomas's uh, analysis. Well, the reason I asked the question is I think it becomes all the more cruel that you have had a 1 million voter registration swing. Exactly. And the Florida GOP has not done very much to <laughs> justify such a dramatic turnaround. Like, I think it's that it makes default. it all the more cruel that that no, is. And you know what's case. even more cruel? Like, you still lost when you had the the, the million yep. p- person, you know, voter registra- registration advantage. Like, you were still fucking yeah. losing, except when yep. you had a once in a generation, you know, candidate, whether you like him or not, Obama, right? Like, yeah. But one thing that has changed um, was, and I saw glimpses of it, and David, you brought it up on, if memory serves me right, it was on an interview we did with Danny Rivera, where you talked about um, the emergence of a new type of Miami guy. There are are several different kinds of Miami guys, but you touched on something that has been reverberating in my head since you brought it up, and that is the guy who is expressly, distinctly, endearingly annoyingly political in his presentation in his affect in his priorities um there are like yeah. i said there's many different lifestyles but i wanted well, to ask if there are any well no no i'm i think like among conservative guys <laughs> especially that like the flags flying out of the pickup truck type of guy the the pun the punisher skull with the flag emblazoned on these it these are the these are the guys that i call the real miami because yeah. they are in my opinion they are the real miami They're i wanted to ask just... you if you could just t- like what you saw maybe over the last five years like the emergence of this new type of guy well this guy has always been around what's new about this guy is that he gives a shit on a very superficial but very profound at the same time level he gives a shit about politics for the first time ever Mm -hmm. and this is a guy who is probably cuban and has up until like maybe age 30 rejected the generational politics that came before him and has had some sort of cultural shift in the last let's call it since trump since 2015 it's been since then that he was like that this guy this guy's in my in my in Kendall in Westchester. That's why I call it the real my, Miami. The the conservative movement has given him something that he can understand and he can get a foothill foothold in. Whether it's like dressing like a proud boy, being into trucks, being into big flags, being like badass, whatever. Um, rejecting lily livered pussy ass Democrat shit, like mm-hmm. li- rejecting all of that. Uh, a lot of their 
their worldview when you think of these guys is is rooted in immigrant exceptionalism where it's like i got here and i you know my dad got here and he started a business and he kicked ass and you know no excuses for all these undocumented people you know they they, they could have done it the right way he's got a great beard he grows a great beard this guy they're the thing that you like talked about Gerald that like pisses me off the most is like these are great guys man yeah, they're, are not, fucking they're not they're not mean yeah they're not mean they're like these are guys that will like be there for you yeah. and will like literally they'll help you move they're 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 good friends they're like uh, they're unique in the conservative pantheon of like when i think of like archetypes of different conservatives around the country i would gladly hang i do hang out with these guys like i see these guys they're at every birthday that i go to for you know like they're they're in the parent pickup line at my school these these are and i and i don't just like look askance at them like oh how gross you know that he's wearing a fred perry polo it's like oh no this guy's a, a good guy and yeah is he open carrying yeah but like he's also a cool guy six or seven years ago they were when they didn't know what politics was these guys were fucking awesome these were the guys that you go get faded with and hang out at you know and now there's you know that's not happening as much but like you know these are the guys that they voted for obama and then they voted for trump right these guys these guys were gettable at one point but to tomas's point they're not getting these people back anytime soon and not even trying yeah everything that everything that the democrats give them is like is like commercials for like a marvel movie type mm. of copy the copy that they write is like it's shit like like come be a part of something that's aspirational and fun and, you know it's like it's it's goofball shit it's not in line with the lived experience because also these guys are generally like working class or they're like this quasi managerial class where it's like they they have like a, a working class affect and mm -hmm. working class background but they're making like 150 grand a year doing construction or you know project management or something mm -hmm. like that so the Democrat message is never going to ring with these guys. And, and, and that's why you drive through fucking uh, Westchester and you, on any given random Saturday, you drive by uh, La Carreta and you see a thousand Trump flags. Because guess what? You lost those guys, man. You, you're, you're, you're not getting those guys back. And the worst part about it is they absolutely were gettable. These are guys who absolutely were at one point gettable. They did get them. Yeah, they did get them. So as I see it, a lot of this got turbocharged during, especially in Florida, like COVID, the lockdowns, the pandemic. So I just want to plant a flag there and we'll, we'll move forward from there because it's also how, where I want to get uh, to the type of guy that I, I know. And that is the guy who told New York to go fuck itself and that they were moving to Florida, not for any other reason than political self-sorting and wanting to make a statement with their feet basically G gerald i have a i just wrote down this on my notes getting mm -hmm. ready for this the mm -hmm. words retired small business dipshit from new jersey <laughs> like that is the guy a lot of them aren't even retired david a lot yeah, of them no, are still no. still going um <laughs> this is from the wall street journal earlier this year um as lockdowns in left-leaning states closed schools and businesses many residents who chafed against such restrictions relocated to florida which mr desantis reopened quickly that decision also earned the loyalty of many existing Florida residents, including working class voters. Republicans invested heavily in voter registration and outreach and won over Latinos with an, with an aspirational economic message that cast Democrats as out of touch. Obviously for us, we've covered this, I'd say, you know, to death at this point, but the reason I bring it up was a statistic that I did not know until I was putting this together. So from 2018 to 2022, for every new 
voter that a, de- that a Democrat registered in uh, in the state of Florida, Republicans have registered 26, 26 to one ratio over the last five years. Not great. And, <laughs> and Florida is unique in this uh, in, in, in this um, phenomenon. Um, between November 2018, June 2023, um, 650,000 voters who had been previously registered in another state moved to Florida and re-registered. About 45% of them registered as Republicans, only 24% registered as Democrats. That is a two to one ratio. Um, To give you a comp in Texas, uh, the ratio is about 48% of Republicans and 41% of Democrats. Uh, Among party members in Georgia, it's about 57 GOP, 43% Dems. In other words, in no other state are people self-sorting and choosing Florida as the place that they're moving to for no other reason but politics. Can I ask you guys both yeah. something as as two people who were like more involved on like official levels than I ever was with like the apparatus of the Democratic Party or like mm-hmm. organs of it and like I I mean like Mark Caputo from Politico was was like crowing about this from the top of his lungs starting I think in like 2017 he was like calling this a trend mm-hmm. and then the to your point Jer like the the um the dam broke with COVID. Yeah. And it, I mean, was there conversations internally with Democrats? Were they saying like, damn, did you see that Mark Caputo, that political playbook for Florida? Looks like we're getting our, our tits lit up right now. Like, is there anything that we can do about this? Yeah. Yeah, of course there were. And nothing. Just people being like, oh, like. We need to do year-round organizing, and we need to be present in the community, and we need to register voters, and you know, it just it never fucking happens, bro. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. In other words, it's the same story over and yeah. over again. <laughs> they, they just keep getting owned. I don't know. Like, I don't get it either. I mean, I mean there just were just trend like, pieces in twenty. The there were trend pieces in twenty thirteen saying like, "Oh, will will Florida ever go back?" To being red or is it deeply a blue state now and you know what the problem is it's not just that like we're losing that that type of guy that you're talking about right david that you you were just talking about it's also that like people like us for example and just your average person like a lot of people in florida are voting and are are registering npa yep so so you're you're like you're losing people to the republican party that are becoming politically attuned to them and the Republican Party is doing a good job in actually just capturing like people, and then the people that are left over, like, yeah, some of them are voting, are registering Democrat. I mean, the, the numbers are horrible, as as you showed, uh, Gerald. But then a bunch of people are just being like, ah, fuck it. Like, I don't even, I don't really like this party either, and I don't feel, I don't, I don't identify with them. And yeah, like a lot of the people in Democratic circles, what they'll say is like. Well, but those independents and those NPAs are going to break our way anyways. And like, yeah, that's probably true if they go out and vote. And the reality is a lot of those people are not going to go out and vote and they haven't. That's why, like, since Andrew Gillum ran in 2018 to Charlie Crist in 2022, the Democrats saw over a million people not turn out from that, you know, from those two elections. DeSantis didn't turn out a lot more voters than he did when he initially won in 2018. It was just that almost a million Democrats stayed home. And that's what happens when you're just like, eh, fuck it. Like the other side's really bad. Like 
you know, like these people are going to vote for us anyways. You know, it's it's what it's it's what Ron Klain, the, the former chief of staff of Biden, said after the Macron election where he narrowly beat Le Pen, you know, a couple of years ago. He said, look, the voters at the end of the day, when it's a binary choice, they're going to come home to us because the other side is fucking insane. And it's like, yeah, like in a presidential year, that 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 could happen. But for Florida Democrats in a midterm year, like, bro, like that's not going to happen. Like people are going to stay home. And even in a presidential year, like that's a big gamble to make. You know what I mean? Like eventually people will say, you know what? Like, fuck it. Like, I'm not even going to bother. No, because it's like it's like the it's like Billy it's like Billy from the first Scream movie where he turns and he's like, we all feel a little insane sometimes, and it's like, yeah, you know that I would feel that way too. I can imagine, I can imagine definitely a situation yeah. where I'm like, I voted Democrats for 20 years, and uh, yeah, the other party's insane, but guess what? At this point, fucking, I, mean, I am too. I was, so I was, I was it. getting sent pictures. I shared it with you guys of like the stuff at the at this Florida Democratic Party convention that they just did. Um, you know, and like, I don't want to knock on it too much, you know, because it, sure. it just feels gratuitous and like, whatever. I wasn't there. I didn't go. <laughs> but like they had these centerpieces, you know, and it's a fundraising dinner and they need money, whatever. But they had the centerpieces that were like a mock, like newspaper front page. And it said like Florida Democrats roar back to life, you know, like make believe like headlines. I don't know. It's just kind of sad. But like wish wish casting. But like yeah, a yeah. lot of like the headlines were like about DeSantis. Like Gerald, you were laughing at one that was like Florida, Florida Hispanic voters yeah. agree after DeSantis's failing presidential campaign. He is un mentiroso, which means a liar in Spanish. Liar. It's just like so cringe, but like also it's just like it's just indicative of what like Florida Democrats have become, which like look, I'm guilty of it myself, but like I'm just a guy, like I'm not the state party, you know, like it's just right. all about like the other side bad, like DeSantis derangement syndrome, and he fucking sucks for sure. He's a yeah. fucking fascist, but like at some point, like hey, like you are not like an activist, like you are a political party representing a lot of people and a lot of ideas, and eventually, like you represent a horizon of where you want to get to. And if your whole message is like DeSantis bad, DeSantis bad, DeSantis bad, people eventually like yeah. you either like normalize that. Or people are like, okay, I get it, but like, what is your vision? And like, if what if and if you don't present a vision, and on top of that, you're cringe, other people are gonna be like, yeah. mm, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna drill down on the enthusiasm gap uh, in in just a little bit. Um, but I want to uh, go to um, DeSantis's legislative sessions that seem expressly to send out that beacon to conservatives living in the 49 other states and, and get them to move in those hundreds of thousands of, uh, of numbers. Uh, this is from Vox uh, just last month. Um, with a Republican supermajority in the state legislature, DeSantis signed a plethora of laws last session, waging culture wars everywhere from the classroom to the bathroom to Disney World. That includes a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, before many people know they are pregnant, harsh penalties for parents and doctors who allow trans minors to pursue gender affirming care, a crackdown on undocumented immigrant workers that is leading to labor shortages and new restrictions on woke corporations that embrace progressive social justice policies. Um, this, I'm going to say, is what creates uh, what I'll call the crank loop, which is using the existing power of his GOP trifecta, DeSantis passes catnip for the conservative base as official legislation 
which then serves as a lightning rod to attract hardcore conservatives to Florida, whose voter participation then allows him to pass even more extreme conservative legislation. And to your point, Tomas, about how DeSantis sucks, this also helps illustrate why DeSantis has been such a non-presence in the presidential race. None of what he has done politically has emerged from him. He has only reflected the media diet of conservatives back to them as state policy. In other words, if you left DeSantis and the GOP legislature to their own devices, they would do nothing about property insurance or um, or the cost of housing or, or even availability of housing or, or wages or rules. what have you. Yeah. They have to wait till Tucker or Greg Kelly or Sean Hannity or something has a big, you know, big, scary news uh, item. And then they make legislation around that to send a signal to conservatives that this is the place that you want to be. And by the hundreds of thousands, they've they've made good on that. No, you, you've nailed it. And we've talked about this in, the, in this podcast. Like we yeah. identified the problem and we weren't the only ones. I don't want to give us like right. that much. Right, right, right. But we, we did talk about this early. And the difference between Trump and DeSantis is that Trump, through just the sheer force of his idiotic but hilarious personality, is able to affect the news cycle of the yes. whole world, you know what I mean? Yes. And yes, yeah. like sometimes like the policy was the lead, for example, with the Muslim ban, like for sure. But like a lot of the times, like the Trump administration did nothing. And like, yeah, like they were, they were, he was just saying the most idiotic, offensive, hilarious, stupid shit. And it would just like move policy, right? Like he was the lead. He was in charge for better or for worse. And we definitely think for worse, right? I mean, we don't like him. Yes. Yeah. But with this- uh, what, what, one, one of the things that you like that is different, Tomas, from Trump to DeSantis is that everything that Trump, all those crackpot uh, policies or statements that Trump would make during his four years came from some, it came from an organic and real place. Him waiting up at like midnight, watch, staying up until midnight, watching something on TV that he saw that pissed him off or somebody getting his in his ear and telling him something. DeSantis the only thing I would add to what you, to your setup, Gerald, is like there's an intentional media provo- provocation in almost everything he does, where he's counting on Vox to write about. Well, actually, immigrants add to the you know the the, the GDP. They don't take. You know, he's like counting on that happening with everything that he does. It's all calculated in a fucking in a in a, a right wing you know boiler room somewhere for maximum you know yeah, but, live but, but he's being led by like it's just like Gerald said he's be you can literally and, and people have done this like like the, the migrant flights right to to initially uh Martha's Vineyard and so many that like a lot of this school stuff you know that he's done it originated in Tucker Carlson it originated on Fox News and like heritage the, the you know like he, you, you can track it, right? And you know, and and that eventually made its way into like state policy, into the state legislature. And yeah, David, right? He's always looking to bait like liberal organizations, liberal media, into having a sort of culture war fight with him because he knows that there's just no like there's no opposition, there's no real like news like corps here, there's no there's no party that can really fight him head on on this stuff. But like he's not a trendsetter. He doesn't have right. charisma, you know. He and 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 that's why he's done so badly in the presidential campaign, right? Because he's just he just doesn't have it. 
the, if if he were to govern as president the way he has as governor, the most powerful people would not be in the White House. They would be in the newsrooms of Newsmax, One America, Fox, what have you, deciding what the order of the day is going to and, be. And, and then he would react to that. And often that is the case, right? I mean, you know, when when I'm not saying that like MSNBC ruled the Obama administration, but like, look, I, I work in, I worked in, in, you know, communications and political communications for a long time. And like, let me tell you, like, even though we laugh at all these think tank losers and like MSNBC and CNN and New York Times contributors, like the admin officials, like really care about it for some inexplicable reason. They really care about what's on CNN and on, on MSNBC, even though like they have declining viewership, like they really care about this. Fox News, you know, during the, the Bush era, like they were a huge driver of policy. And, and where did Karl Rove and all these people from the Bush administration end up at, you know, at either Fox News or some CNN? But that's why they hated Trump so much, right? That's why Rupert Murdoch has spent yeah. all of the fucking like primary, you know, election trying to find a replacement for, for Trump, whether it was Tim Scott or DeSantis or now, you know, the new flavor of the month is Nikki Haley. It's because yeah. they fucking hate that they're they're not in control for better or for worse, and probably it is for better and it is for worse. <laughs> I was I, I was just I mean like when Tomas talks about it, it like it just it it, it 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 makes me realize how important for this conversation that we are we're having about like this MAGA migration, like how important media in its new form is, and how important like social media has been. This all this shit is born on on social media. The, the like the the idea of DeSantis being this like lighthouse, letting people know like, oh hey, conservatives out there, are, do do you think that the New York Times was lame to you know stand up for trans rights? Mm. Yeah, me too. Uh, you belong down here in Florida. You don't belong out there in, in in Philly. Why are you still there? You can do your job remotely. Come down here. We won't make you wear a mask. We won't make you you know, eat your vegetables or anything like that. This is the land of not eating vegetables. This is the land of like, of, of doing whatever the fuck you want and not having to worry. It's, it's, it's really the American dream kind of like made benefits. I will add something to that. So there's a great documentary that I don't know if you guys have seen it called hypernormalization. Oh, great. Adam Curtis. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it talks about, you know, how, in the 70s during the degenerative state of the soviet union you know people yes. were just kind of like going along to get along you know even though like the economy was falling apart and but it was just so normalized that you know people were doing these jobs that didn't mean anything that anyways like we are in a hyper normalized era of like American dystopian post late, post late post late stage capitalism, right? Where people are going to these office jobs and, you know, performing metrics based jobs that don't mean anything. And the managers know that they don't mean anything. And, you know, you're just going along to get along. And a big aspect of, of that is social media, right? Like, and, and people are talk always talk about like independent media, you know, and like the new like media landscape, but like, it's all controlled by these like incredibly, powerful algorithms that are feeding you information that the companies and the conglomerates that control these social media companies want you to consume and that are based on what you like. It's like Adam Curtis said, you are stuck in an echo chamber, but all that you hear and see is you. So you know what I mean? Like, 
So it's it's kind of like the same effect as Fox News under the guise of like the democratization of information, right? And I think in some ways, actually, it might be a little better because, because for example, with the Israel-Palestine conflict right now, like we can see a lot easier like what's happening on the ground and the war crimes and things that before it was very difficult to get that information. But in a lot of ways, like the promise of like independent media and the democratization, democratization of information has not lived up to its premise. And a lot of the people that are like feeding, you know, information and propaganda to the American people are still in control of that information flow. Yeah, it's, it's uniquely frustrating, though, like even that, I mean, like, that's actually a great analog for the conversation we're having, because all of these narratives that that find their way into the media, you know, new Silicon Valley, Miami is going to be the new tech hub, right? And it's in all these, like, everybody's moving to Miami, everybody's mm-hmm. moving to Florida, this, this, you know, they, they take hold, and then they go off of a narrative cliff, where nobody bothers to do any kind of follow up. Or if they do, and they point it out to somebody like a Christina Pushaw, it's like, hey, you know, your administration is failing, the state is failing on XYZ. The response can be the same response that a lot of supporters of Israel give to the worst media coming out of Palestine. No, it's not. No, that's some other thing. No, they're just lying. That's just not true. And then that's it. It just it just retards the communication right there. And that's it. We're done. And after that, it's like, it's just pick your side. And there's no more like, oh, damn, that didn't turn out to be true. It's just like, oh, well, who's to say? And it, 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 there's no telling what's true or what's not true anymore. So all the all the assholes, all the 1984 assholes, got their way. Congratulations, guys! <laughs> all the guys who were like, "We're gonna, we're living 1984." Yeah, congratulations, you finally got yeah. it. Now that we're wired, uh, probably more than we ever have been um, as as a species and as a society. Um, meant to be. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the Florida GOP's efforts to tap into how their voters are wired and and uh, and tap into their enthusiasm. This is still on Vox. Um, William Frey, who's a demographer at Brookings, says his research suggests that uh, while Republican dominance in the state, um, uh, sorry, it factors in uh, migration from other states, the overperformance of Florida's Republican-leaning voter blocks, which include older, white, male, non-college educated voters are shrinking over time nationally, but are still sizable in Florida compared to other states and remain highly engaged, which is to say the target demo for any of the, you know, Newsmax, One America, Fox News, what have you. They are very highly engaged because they're operating on that loop. To Tomasa's earlier point, a lot of the underperformance of the Florida Democrats comes from not voters deciding they like the GOP so much better than the Dems, but just deciding politics clearly doesn't touch my life or when I vote, nothing happens to me except something bad that it might just be better to just drop out entirely. Um, a recent drop off in black voter turnout has also eroded Democrats margins in the state. According to phrase analysis, black voter turnout fell from almost 45% in 2014 and 49% in 2018 to about 42% in 2022. Um, The effect was particularly stark among black voters under the age of 30, among whom turnout rates declined by 73 percent from 2020 to 2022. Um, Their turnout rates, while slightly lower than the last midterm elections in 2018, were also significantly higher than historically Democratic leaning groups such as black, Hispanic and young voters. Um, I bring all this up to say because uh, the state party has repeated its same 
apathetic strategy towards its own base and non-college educated whites that cost the national party 2016 presidential election in the first place. In other words, the autopsy from 2016 being Democrats didn't show up and we didn't engage with non-college educated whites. Like we said, the same thing keeps on happening. That was basically the autopsy report from this past midterm within the state of Florida specifically. And as Tomas already said, you did not see that pattern play out in the 49 other states. The Republicans ate shit mostly for the most part in the 49 other states. There's one state where the shit that they're trying worked and it's in the state of Florida and they're repeating all their past mistakes. It's like every fucking two years we like the. I don't even want to say we anymore. The Florida Democrats who are fucking (laughs) like, you know, postmortem and, you know, we need to dissect and we need to do a fucking inquiry and like a committee to study. It's like, bro, like, no, we know what fucking happened. We know what's wrong. Like, honestly, we know what we have to do to fix it. I I think we know what we should say. I mean, Democrats are the party of fucking FDR, you know, like we know that, I mean, Obama won the state twice, you know, like by fucking making Mitt Romney the fucking monopoly man, you know, going mm-hmm. after him with for the, the bank capital layoffs and, you know, the 47 percent, you know, comments and corporations are people, my friend. Like you have the playbook, you have the messaging, just fucking do the job. But like, you know, they, they're just stuck in this fucking cycle of like committees and inquiries and reports and studies and grifting and you know, kickbacks to consultants and, you know, whatever. You're, you're, listener, you know the story. <laughs> One story you might not know, um, well, you probably do. Um, where I am in Rockland County, uh, the most common reason that's not politics for why people say they're about to move to Florida um, is they want a lower cost of living. They don't want to pay state taxes and they want to be able to keep more money for themselves, which for me as a talking point, and we'll spend just the last little bit of the episode on this. This drives me insane (laughs) because I lived in Florida and the cost of living is fucking astronomical. Uh, I'll just run through some metrics. Um, What is it? It is, uh, it has one of the highest costs of living uh, in the United States. Uh, Miami is the metro area with the highest cost of living. Um, It's on par with San Francisco and Los Angeles until you factor in uh, wages, um, what is it, uh, relative to the area, and then it becomes more expensive than San Francisco and Los Angeles to live in Miami. Um, Like the vast majority of people are rent burdened. Um, Florida ranks last out of all 50 states in terms of affordability as a result of this. Before you assume this is exclusive to renters, homeowners in Florida are taking it on the chin as well. Uh, As of November of last year, the median home value in Florida had risen risen 22% over the year compared to 12% Uh, nationwide. And while Florida doesn't have an income tax, many new home buyers face rising property tax bills. Um, Invitation Homes, uh, which owns more than 80,000 single family rentals nationwide, said last year they were anticipating that property taxes were going to be up 8% rather than the 5% that they had factored in as a result of these inflated costs. And just to put a cherry on it, um, this is from, I think, a week ago. Um, Brandon Gerard at Pensacola News Journal put together a little uh, metric to see if you were going to move to Florida for the cost of living, what you assume is a lower cost of living, 
where else might you have an even lower cost of living than Florida? And the answer is 26 countries in Europe <laughs> and not like <laughs> Estonia and, you know, Lithuania, what have you. I'm talking about France, Sweden, Italy, and Spain all have lower cost of living than Kentucky, which is the cheapest state to live in in the United States. In other words, if all the blue state conservatives who want to get as you know out of New York as quickly as possible wanted to save as much of their money as possible, they would be better off moving to a major European country than they would be moving to Florida. Yeah, have fun with that, European. I would like enjoy, to enjoy that. I would like to see them in Florida, or sorry, in um, in France or Spain and Italy. Um, I, well, the, the problem is that, you know, we talk about like healthcare outcomes and you would probably die much earlier because the, 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 the fun, the, like if the effervescent feeling you get that gets your blood moving of potentially dying every time you drive on the fucking streets here. I think that that keeps you young, you know, like it keeps you, keeps you <laughs> All going. I'm saying is like, I'm a, I'm like a, I'm like very left on, on immigration. Honestly, I'm like an open yeah. borders guy to, to be honest. Yeah. And, but if these fucking mega pieces of shit would ever start like moving in mass to like Buenos Aires, like I would immediately become like a hardline like anti. <laughs> or, like, or, like, not for, like Venezuelans or like Peruvians or like Paraguayans or anybody else from like the current like migration flows in and out of Argentina. Like I I could care less, but I would be like we need to make a specific like targeted bill like denying visas from like floridians like if, if somehow like we can do that like i'd be like no floridians are allowed into buenos aires because th these people are just fucking off it's like we already took in an influx of uh germans after yeah, 1940 no more. we're not we, no more. we don't need more of this shit no we shouldn't have done that and we're not doing it again I would like to, I like it in Ireland just because if they were to go to, Ireland has one of the most severe cases of tall poppy syndrome, maybe in, in anywhere in the world where if you're doing well, you should keep it to yourself because all your friends will talk bad about you and stop inviting you out places just because they want to take you down a peg. And I do think there would be something about the pickup truck with the Punisher logo on the back of it guy who would just find himself constantly socially shunned and made a pariah for no other reason than his own not even politics just his own being in the world it's a colin farrell character from uh, being like why don't you want to hang out oh, with me yeah, anymore basically yes that but he's dressed in like proud boy gear he's wearing a fr fred <laughs> and, perry polo and it's, and it's not even the obnoxious politics it's just the announcing of oneself it's, it's literally the guy we were talking about the cuban guy with the no quarter given hat and yeah. the Fred Paypal will be like, oh, hey, bro, why the fuck don't you want to hang out with me anymore? Why is it? Uh, oh, well, it's just over. I think that people grow apart after time, after a certain amount of time. Uh, and this is just a, a sign to watch, I'd say, for the listener. Um, if you're also moving down or, or bragging about Florida for the strength of its economy, um, I that would is... pay attention to one warning sign, which is the commercial real estate sector, um, which does play an outsized role in Florida's economic development. Uh, in layman's terms, uh, during COVID and during the period of fiscal stimulus, a lot of people swooped up and purchased commercial real estate centers, offices, um, you know, retail strip plazas, what have you, at pretty cheap rates, thinking they were getting a, a deal and a steal. Now that interest rates are higher and people are more people are working from home than ever before, a lot of those loans are seen by large banks as toxic. 
Um, a lot of large banks don't actually have um, these as assets, but a lot of medium-sized banks do, um, which means that the fallout from, from something like this would, would affect you know, local communities, um, would lead to a lot of layoffs in local um, metropolitan areas. And given that Florida's you know, population centers are almost exclu- not exclusively, but you have Tampa, you have uh, Sarasota, you have Orlando, you have St. Pete, you have Jacksonville, you have Miami. You have- there are a lot of places where if the commercial real estate sector were to crash, um, the, the fallout would, I don't want to say ruinous, but a lot of people's livelihoods would, would be ruined by this. Yeah, no, this is actually like a ticking time bomb, not just for Florida, but nationally. I mean, yeah. and, you know, I was actually talking about this with my partner. If you're like invested in uh, commercial real estate in any way, shape or form, and, you know, this podcast is not financial advice, so take it for what it's worth. Right. But right. Know, I, I think like I'm right a lot. Um, I, I would I would I would be really careful, honestly, because I, I, I do think that it's like a ticking time bomb in terms of the real estate market. There's an interesting element to that, Jared, that is like a, a weird phenomenon that I've I've seen um, working like in corporate, kind of like adjacent to corporate America, which is what I do in my day job. Mm-hmm. And the um, it's funny because it's wrapped up in the lack of worker protection, something that we personally have always talked about. Like Florida is one of the worst places in the country to be a worker. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of people... A lot of white collar professional managerial class six figure earners came to Florida over the la- course of the last two or three years with certain expectations that were tied up in um, in in work from home, in uh, in flexibility, in um, promises basically promises that the companies made to them. And I know that we've seen this in you know like Netflix laying off people and stuff like that. But here in Florida, there's a lot of going there's a, there's a lot of double dealing going back on those promises because this is a place. It's not California. It's not Michigan. It's not a place with like a strong organized labor background or any kind of like laws that would help out the worker. It's very much like, I dare you to quit. Fuck you. You know what? Now it's five days. Now we're back in the office five days a week. And I know that, you know, part of your calculus when you moved here from Glendale was that you would have like a better quality of life or whatever. Uh, Well, that ain't going to happen. Sorry. You know, I I know that you hated, you know, driving on the the 405 every day with the traffic and shit, but, uh, you know, Get, get used to the Palmetto because you're going to become friends with, with that and with I-95. And I, I don't know how that affects people who moved here. And I'm thinking more in terms of like a type of guy that we haven't talked about, which is a very small population guy, but the, the VC California libertarian type Miami mover that has come here um, in not huge numbers. I think that they're small numbers, they're, but high impact, David. I mean, high impact. Yeah. So annoying. Always, they're always the ones running your, their fucking Tesla into you, like at at uh in in the parking lot of uh, Trader Joe's. Like they're they are they take up so much fucking space. Yeah. These people, and you really only interact with them like when you go out to like dinner at the Grove in the Grove or something like that. But but yeah, and they also they also are politically yeah. fat they take up yeah. a lot of. i mean you know, they, the mayor too. the incompetent nepo baby fail son mayor of the city who you know we fucking roast all the time literally adopted the persona even though he's never been an investor right. or like an entrepreneur and just he's a fucking loser that's lived off the tit of the state you know because of his daddy all of a sudden pretended to be like a venture capital like crypto bro investor and like you can't even pull that grift off like pathetic i wanted to ask just because it is so annoying like it is like 
like a like a little like pin in my head that I can't like get out. Where where is it just? It can't just be the state income taxes because Texas has no state income. A lot of states don't have state income tax. Where does this myth come from that Florida is this land of affordability and not like a, like a financial death trap for so many people? Gerald, it's I think it's it's the same reason why you know, Francis Suarez had been successful up until now. It's just PR. It's just PR. The state PR. has done a great job at advertising itself. And, you know, it is sunny and it is in the movies and the drugs and the girls, you know, and the beaches, but it's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny too, because the bullshit runs both ways. Like we're also willing to believe it. Like we let a million press releases and like Mayor Suarez's and, you know, tech evangelists and shit like that convince us that that crypto and fucking NFTs and like and of a, a venture capitalist buying his third home equals a tech revolution. Like that was, oh, they're going to, you know, the for Miami specifically, I'm, I'm talking specifically about South Florida here, but like, oh, it's going to become this new tech hub. And nobody stopped to examine, like, is anybody making anything are there any take away bitcoin take away you know ethereum take away payment processors which is, is another category that like is not real tech it's just kind of like bullshit it's not a what do we look for out of that we want job creators we want healthy jobs we want co something that's going to build community and contribute to the tax base long term none of the shit that suarez pushed nothing that he none of those conferences that he went up and was a keynote speaker at resulted in any of those things but then again that's the narrative cliff he did it how can i help how can i help and then that whole follow-up apart from a few cranks like tomas and billy talking shit about like how you know miami coin lost 99 percent and pointing out what a failure it was other than guys like that if you surveyed typical tech bro in marin county right now he probably thinks like oh yeah miami's a cool spot it's hot yeah, yeah i might go and, there and look for like two to three years like we were fucking losers. Like we were haters. Everybody was like these fucking loser haters, like bitter fucking dumbasses. Until, you know, like the obvious thing happened, and everything Who fucking imploded because we were citing real statistics and looking at real graphs and reading real things. All of a sudden, people were like Dude. blowing up my phone. Like all these journalists and people were like, "How the fuck did you know, bro?" Like, it's like, how the fuck did you know? <laughs> How stupid are you? You're like you're like you're like you were like you you were like Lisa in the monorail pitch when you in the yeah. it's like it's like am I the only one here that realizes it's a fucking yeah, scam? Like, I'm not an economist <laughs> and I'm not particularly good at investing. I haven't bought a fucking stock in my life. It's just obvious that this was a giant fucking grift. But Joe, let us flip flip it back onto you because okay. Tomas just just went back to um went back to new york mm -hmm. but just went to new york recently mm -hmm. but so he hasn't really fully settled in yet but like are you seeing the remember when we first initially started talking about the, doing this episode about the migration of maga like are you seeing any of the reverse migration is there any tail tuck between my legs i fucked up florida sucks i shouldn't have done this or have, have you encountered any of that either online or in real life no, so not from people who've moved um, people who have said all along they were going to, and then didn't. Um, and I think a lot of it was the sticker shock of the price of housing. I think a lot of it was, they saw how much homes were going for, if they didn't get in, in 2019, I mean, just to give you an anecdote, someone I know, um, and work with bought their house at like 390 
2019, and they were getting offers for 1.1 mil um, by 2022. If you're coming in in 2022 and you don't have 1.1 mil, the spigot is kind of turned off for you. Um, so they're kind of just resigning themselves mostly to um, doing what they were doing before, which is being in a blue state and complaining about it. <laughs> But, they, but that's the thing is they can afford this. They say they can. I know they can. Like as much as they say I can't do it, a lot of them are going to retire soon. A lot of them are going to have nice lives. A lot of them are going to have pensions. A lot of them are going to have, you know, um, you know, uh, union benefits, what have you. There's none of that in in Florida. There's none of that. It's New York or California for something like that anymore. Like, and even then, to, it's, it's on the chopping block. You have to own a fucking car in Florida. That's like maintenance, yeah. oil. You have to gas um uh car payments insurance and they we pay the highest insurance in the country in florida it's fucking expensive the, it's like the, a fucking car payment right on top of the but that was- the, the, the 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 budgetary like for a, a personal budget for like a home you know for like your 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 household budget there's so much friction everything has a markup in florida everything is like a little bit more expensive it all just kind of picks away at you getting your windows redone in, in New York, it's no big deal. In like mo- in most states, it's no big deal. I got a quote for my house to do the, to do the windows thirty five thousand dollars, man, just to fucking redo the yeah. windows. And it's like and it, and seven years ago, the quote was twenty thousand. And it's all just everybody's grabbing every last little. The unspoken thing we haven't talked about on this episode is climate change and the ambient awareness that it's real. Which the the other interesting thing about Florida Republicans is like they're the only ones who are allowed the only Republicans that are allowed to acknowledge that climate change exists mm. and and but not not that we'll do anything about it just yeah, that it does a exist. recent development it, too yeah only recently only since Carlos Corbello mm. it was the first one I remember doing it but um that's a, that's a thing that makes everything more expensive because it's like oh well how can we enrich our donors how can we enrich the you know the small business you know window glass installer who's maxing out him and his daughter and his son and his wife to the you know to the to to, to like the you know to all the local campaigns and shit like that oh it doesn't ever result in anything being better or more affordable it just become it results in shit being more unattainable and expensive i'm going to keep these fucking windows now what am i going to do drop thirty five thousand dollars. your windows are nice they're fine but that was kind of the genesis for why i wanted to do this in the first place was the cognitive dissonance of someone who says, I want to move to Florida for the lower cost of living. Why haven't you done so? Well, I don't have $1.1 million to make that move. Look, my message. I'm like, do you hear yourself? My message is if you're a conservative asshole listening to this, which I don't think you would be, but maybe, and maybe. you live in New York, maybe. Now move to Florida. Yeah, move. try it. Leave this state, go to Florida. I don't want to be around you. <laughs> or France, go to France. Have a lovely time. No, we, no, we should not export our bullshit abroad. We do France that. has enough bullshit going on. Yeah, France is dealing with yeah, their own shit. France is a perfect place. No, no, we need. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, I, fuck France, but still, no. But. <laughs> you think Staten Island smells like piss, hey, oh. buddy? Wait till you get to Paris. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll talk All about right. you. All right. Thank you, listener. Um, We will see you uh, next time.